one of the interesting things that he did as well was was basically tell me to stop being too sort of reverent mm. of things uh, because I, I was I was trying to I, in the score I really am trying to sort of pick up the the lineage pick up the the arc of the piece you know of the canon and and um, and it became it became inhibiting perhaps uh, and eventually John himself said to me he said oh, you know you you do a different thing don't worry you know, it's so going to be interesting you know, so. and very uh, freeing. Hopefully, it is. I mean, the thing to remember, though, is, is of course, is I'm I was hugely influenced by him, so it's there in the in the DNA of what I do anyway. I mean, sometimes more obviously than others, perhaps. And in this case, obviously, I was using themes that were old themes as well. So we used some of the old themes, and we used these new themes of John's and themes that I wrote, and it's all mixed together. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the very exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 423, Deluxe Solo Score. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Enfys Nest to my Dryden Voss, we've got Carl LeClaire. I'm going to steal all your coaxium and not even say thank you. Ah, uh, makes me so angry, but hey, it's a party, so... <laughs> Oh, yeah, don't let your face get all red and scarry on me, okay? I'll try not to. So I'm just like my mother who wore the mask before me, okay? I'm just carrying on her legacy. (laughs) Fighting the good fight. (laughs) So um, first and foremost, happy Star Wars Day to everybody as we record this um, and hopefully getting it out later tonight so you can all enjoy this possibly on your Star Wars Day festivities. Um, If not, this is... Star Wars Day, it's, to me, it's a whole week of Star Wars celebration. So that's what that's what we're we're all about here, Jason. Um, and yes. obviously today we got the premiere of of Bad Batch. I will say, spoiler free here, I was so blown away with it. it. It was a series I had no particular interest in whatsoever. Watched it this morning. Watched it two more times this afternoon. It's fun. Um, I know, Jason, you're going to get to it when we're done recording tonight. So yep. I'm sure we will get to Bad Batch soon, but... We love doing Musical May, and that's what we are starting this week, as we are doing three straight shows of nothing but Star Wars music. And of course, as you can probably tell with the fantastic theme in the background, this first episode of Musical May is devoted to the extended deluxe solo soundtrack by Mr. John Powell. Uh, This score has been out for a while now, and we kept meaning to talk about it, Jason, and we just kept pushing it for different reasons. So I was like, hey, if we're doing Musical May, let's do that first. And you were like, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. But yes, no, we we were going to do uh, an episode about it like the month it was released, which yeah. was late last year. And yeah. then for whatever reason, it just never happened. So uh, different scheduling uh, things and different plans that we decided. And so we're like, hey, it's Musical May. We'll do it. 
That's right. Do and it. Jason, I'm so excited to get to this because, I mean, this is, again, like you and I have talked about this for years, how much we want deluxe scores for all the soundtracks, right? Like we got those back in 97 with the, the special edition releases. We got those those two CD booklet versions of the original score where you had every piece of music, mostly chronologically. Um, we got that for a Phantom Menace, but we never got it for episodes two or three. We certainly don't nope. have it for Rogue One. We don't have it for any of the sequels. Um, I love that we got this for Solo because John Powell's score is debatably one of my... Well, it's it's not debatably. It's definitely one of my favorites, It's it's and it's probably top two, maybe three of of the yeah. all the Star, Star Wars scores in my book. Um, so that said, I am so excited to just... In, start talking about this and kind of the way uh, we put this together is um, <laughs> Jason, I sat down last week and spent over two hours just listening through the score, making little notes. And the point is to actually, so what we want to do with the show is not just look at the, the score that's been released, you know, for a while now, the, the, you know, the regular version, but we're looking at the, this deluxe version and this, the specific tracks that stood out to us. Um, yeah, and primarily, primarily things that weren't in the original release, which we have talked about in the past before, back when Solo was uh, coming out. We've talked about the the solo the soundtrack for it um, on and off um, back when Solo came out. So this is going to be, you know, not only just things that stood out, but also a lot of things that weren't in the original release, um, things that we noticed and really enjoyed from that are exclusive to the deluxe soundtrack yeah so um yeah so that's that's what we're going to be looking at um so uh before we get into that conversation though uh we did have a poll last week in light of our all thing ewok adventures episode which was a blast to do i i obviously (laughs) love the ewok movies as well as the cartoon i loved having that conversation with you last week jason so of course we asked you in our poll which of the two Ewok movies is your favorite between Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor? Jason, I think this is one of the lowest responses we've gotten from a poll or a matchup in a long time. And I think that's in part because a lot of folks still haven't watched these. Um, right. So that's totally fair. But folks all the same did weigh in. And what did they have to say about this? Well, across our social media platforms, we got uh, some responses. So thank you, everyone who did. And uh, we hope that... Our conversation last week will encourage those of you who have yet to see these uh, TV movies from the 80s to at least go give them a whirl. Check them out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, that being said, Caravan of Courage came in second place with six votes, uh, and Battle for Endor came in first uh, with 21 votes, uh, including both Carl's vote and my vote. So... I don't think that was too much of a surprise for you guys to guess where our votes were going based on our conversation last week. But uh, while I did enjoy both of these, Battle for Endor is definitely, in my opinion, uh, the better of the two um, by far. So not to say Caravan of Courage is bad. Battle for Endor is just better. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) in my opinion. When When I first posted it yesterday, I was actually surprised that initially it was it was all Caravan of Courage. Well, all whopping couple votes. <laughs> Those were the first ones to come in. And I was like, wow, this is surprising. Um, and again, not because I, I don't like it, but I just do think Battle for Endor is it's just a lot more fun. There, it's it's better paced. There's there's a little bit more action. Um, there's a little bit more silliness to it as well, which I appreciate. Um, 
Caravan of Courage it just, honestly feels a bit more like Star Wars, where Caravan yeah. of Courage felt a little bit more like Middle Earth. So, um, and I think that's part of why Battle for Endor, for us, anyways, seemed to to really shine. So. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so thank you for everybody for, for participating in the poll. Um, we have a, a really exciting matchup for you at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. Um, and uh, last thing is uh, we did a, we finally posted our giveaway for a copy of the Master and Apprentice novel. So want to congratulate Nick Dawson over on our Instagram uh, for winning the copy of Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. So congratulations, Nick, and we'll be in touch to get that sent to you this week. Woo! Congrats, Nick. And you're we gonna, will. You're gonna like it. Yes, yes. If you've not read it, you're going to enjoy it. I would think. Um, so we will have another giveaway for you at the end of the month because you can't end, you know, musical May without a fun giveaway. <laughs> so. Right, right. You can't end the month of Star Wars without a fun giveaway. You know, we we've got the you know. The May the Fourth be with you today. You know, Star Wars Day. Revenge of the Fifth is tomorrow. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's just Star Wars month all month long. Plus George Lucas's birthday, and oh yeah, my birthday. Um, so <laughs> we got to have another giveaway at the end of the month. So exactly, and I'm excited to do that for y'all. Um, so that said, Jason, without further ado. I think it's time to start talking about the incredible solo score. What do you think? I I think you are right. Let's dive into this. Um, so I want to give a quick, uh, just a heads up. So I plan to play a lot of musical clips from the score. So if for any reason, like, so please bear with me as I'm like pulling the tracks up and getting to the right time signatures may, might be like slight delays here and there. So I apologize in advance for that, but I'm, going to do my best to not have much of that. Um, and, you know, kind of like we said, uh, the point of the, the point of the conversation is to really look at parts of the score that we don't have on the regular version. Um, and, in you know, moments that really stand out for me, um, and stand out for us. So, um, I want to start with the very first track, um, excuse, excuse me, the second track from the score. It's the track called bunk slash Proxima. Um, starting around the 10 second mark. And it's the first time we hear the love theme. So obviously the movie opens with Han's theme, right? As he steals the speeder and heads into Proxima's lair. Um, But, you know, we have all that. That's the opening track of the regular score. So this is, and it it cuts off right before Han goes into the bunk. And I love the music as he goes in and meets up with Kira. And right here, right towards the beginning, John Powell is going to set up musically with this statement that this story in a lot of ways is a love story. And this is where we hear the first statement of the Han and Kira love theme. Oops, sorry. <laughs> this is what happened. See, already messed up. I had my volume turned all the way down on, on the Spotify. Here we go again. So this is when, you know, Han gives her the the coaxium and says, hey, we're going to leave now. 
Um, yeah. We're going to start a better life. Uh, and, and I love how it's, it's very light that this, the, the, the way in which the, their love theme is first being introduced. There's something very light and something very beautiful to it. Um, and, and it's in the midst of this very dark place, right? Is Han pulls out the light of the, the coaxium and this music theme starts because it, it right from the beginning of the story, we're told that the, the one thing that's going to make it possible for them to escape this hell, to escape this dark place is love. Um, their love for one another is going to be kind of the vehicle for their escape. Yeah, it's uh, it's an adventure story, but every good adventure story has a bit of of a love story wrapped up in it. And uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, is no exception between Han and Kira. So, yeah, yeah. and it's of course you know as as we have spoken about on previous episodes, the love theme in this movie is absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, it really is. Um, it's it's one of my favorite romantic themes in Star Wars. Um, Pretty so, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we move we move forward into the very next track called Corellia Chase, and this it, I, I this is the one cheat, Jason. And the reason I'm cheating with this this is a piece of music that is on the regular score. It's right as you know they're escaping the lair, and um, you know uh, uh, Moloch is chasing them. Mm-hmm. The reason I want to bring this up, so it's the first statement of Chewie's theme in the movie, and it comes, like I said, in the, in the track Corellia Chase, right around the 47-second mark. And the reason I bring this up is John Powell himself, so the day before the deluxe score was released um, digitally, John Powell in his Instagram story uh, posted just a bunch of fun facts about the score himself, and one of them was that in this moment when they're escaping, when Han is telling Kira, you know, he's going to go be a pilot, they're going to have their own life. It's the first statement of Chewie's theme because for John, John Powell said that for him, Han's understanding of freedom will become just linked to being with Chewie. So for Han to be free is to be with Chewie. Um, and I just, I was just so blown away with the beauty of that statement. So, you know, here's, here's that musical statement right here. So there you go. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Yep. And then enter Malik again as he rams his larger speeder into theirs. Yep. So, you know. <laughs> so, anyway. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, that's, again, like I said, that, that is on both versions of the score. Um, it's one of my favorite musical moments. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. Um, but I just thought it was worth pointing out that this is actually the first time we hear Chewbacca's theme and it's Chewie's not even in the movie yet. And yet, or, um, so John Powell talks a lot about how this score for him was a lot about destiny, you know, the, the, the destiny specifically of Han and Chewie, even some of the other characters, but very particularly with Han. And so I think that this is him using that music right from the beginning to tell that story of Han's destiny, his destiny to be free and fly among the stars, if you will is linked to yeah. Chewie, right? He can't do that without Chewie. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of foreshadowing. Um, and of course, I, I've heard that portion in the original, the, the you know, uh, original release 
many, many times. Um, but for whatever reason, never connected it that it was Chewie's theme. I'm very bad at picking out those kinds of themes um, unless somebody points them out. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just sort of like go with it uh, when I'm listening to stuff or, or watching it in the movie. But, I'm you know, unless it's an uber recognizable theme, like, say, the Force theme or the Imperial March or Duel of the Fates, uh, I, I tend to struggle to pick things out sometimes. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. You know, and I, I know, I remember when I was listening to this score, because I've listened, I listened to that score a lot in my car, especially when it first came out. Um, that particular moment, I would actually recite Hans lines as the music was playing just because I love it. You know, um, uh, we're going to get our own ship. I'm, I'm going to be a pilot, <laughs> you know, like this, this very aspirational moment, right? I love those scenes in Star Wars, where characters share their, their dreams and aspirations. Um, and that music that's playing, I was like, ooh, this is a common theme throughout the, the movie. But in a weird way, it just in my head, I had initially just linked it to so like, oh, yeah, this is probably just some derivative of Hans theme. But it's not. It's actually Chewie's theme. So, again, I wouldn't have known that had John Powell not posted that um, to his Instagram. Yeah. So thank you, Mr. Powell. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Powell. So, um, so you know, the, moving forward, the score is much of the rest of the score is, is right off of the regular track until we get to this great piece um, called Empire Recruitment, which is, of course, the music being played. <laughs> As Han hears the recruitment video there on Corellia, getting, you know, encouraging folks to sign up for the Imperial military. the whole thing i just there's no reason not to play the whole damn thing um nope. <laughs> it's so cool i mean it's it's obviously just the imperial march but played in a major key um and you know there's something very regal the the statement it's that it's it's making right and this is this is a this is a piece of music that's meant to make you feel proud of doing military service right i mean think of you know the history of the u.s right the the marines always had a really cool song in their commercials to get you to sign up for the marines the army's always had a catchy tune this is the star wars version of that right even though oh, yeah. the empires obviously we all know they're the villains but this piece of music in their eyes they're the good guys and there's this sense of honor and dignity to signing up to to serve with them yeah, and and one thing I do love about the the deluxe soundtrack here is that it does have so many of the uh, what's called diegetic music, which is music that is actually heard by the characters in the movie. Mm, yep. Um, and I, I, I learned that word from David Collins, by the way. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, this is this is one of my favorites because uh, we also had something very similar for Empire Day in Rebels. Um, so it's mm. nice to kind of see the sort of uh, imperial continuity with this tune. This is sort of the, uh, the you know, feel proud about the Empire sound. Um, and it's really funny to hear the Imperial March kind of sort of turned in a, into a triumphant, you know, way on its head. You know, it's, yeah. it's very weird and funny. Um, but I love it. I love it in this moment because the next thing that we've got here is completely the opposite Carl 
Yeah, and it's the traditional version of the Imperial March, and it's the only time we hear the Imperial March in Solo, which kind of makes sense, and it's on the track Mimbin Battle, and it opens right away as the battle begins with the Imperial March. Solo, get up! We're almost there! Almost where? (laughs) (laughs) What I love about this version of it is just the the strings going crazy in the background underneath Mm. the the traditional, you know, uh, brass parts of it. Uh, Because it is in the middle of of a chaotic battle that, you know, nobody knows what's going on. Um, and stuff like that. But the, this, this statement of the Imperial March is, is, pretty high on my list in terms of of different statements of this theme um it's hard to say which one is my favorite because there are just so many of them throughout the the saga at this point um but this one is definitely high on the list if i were to ever make one um but yeah i I like i like the crazy strings going in the background it's it's a good it's a good version in my opinion so yeah yeah it's really fun um and then in the same track, just a little bit later on at the 38-second mark, uh, is the first time we hear Beckett's theme. And Jason, when the Deluxe Edition first came out, I just listened to it in my headphones while I was cleaning my apartment one day. And this was the first thing that like kind of struck me. I was like, I don't remember hearing this piece in the movie. And it makes sense. So it's when Beckett first appears as he's coming over the hill, gunning down Mimbanis, I guess is what they'd be called. Um, you don't really hear the statement of the music because the battle is so loud. Like... Trust me, when you hear it now, maybe you have heard it, but if you go back and watch it, you'll probably hear it just because once you've heard it isolated, you're like, okay, I can still, I can kind of hear it now. But it's this awesome statement of the theme for Beckett, and it's the first time we hear Beckett's theme. So short, but so damn powerful and to me this shows the genius of john powell because notice the choir in it right it's this men's choir and it's to me it's like these angelic voices kind of like recognizing the glory of beckett to me this that mute the way john powell chooses to play beckett's theme first here is giving it giving us han's point of view when han looks up on that hill and sees this guy with you know double pistol blasters just gunning folks down that's pretty badass to han right like he sees this guy as like almost holy and which is why i love the use of the choir voices to kind of sing along the the melody of beckett's theme because again it's giving us who this character is in the eyes of han which i just think is so brilliant musically yeah Uh, a savior if you will someone who's who's getting them out of this terrible situation uh in a manner and style that is very unimperial, which is very attractive to someone like Mr. Han Solo. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, what a, like just like that was like I said, it was the first thing that grabbed me. And I until I heard it isolated in, in this version of the soundtrack and never recognized it in the movie itself. And I, I do now. But even still, the choir is hard to hear because, again, you've got explosions going on and blasters. Um, 
yelling, you know. Yelling, yeah. I mean, it's very clear. Like you can hear the the musical instruments playing the theme, but the choir, for whatever reason, just seems to get drowned out in the in the movie mix. So it's really cool getting it isolated here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I want to move into the next track, Blackmail. And this was the other thing that I noticed that I really, really liked. And this is starting around the uh, um, eight second mark. And it's it's the first time in the movie where we kind of, other than that moment where Han and Kira first see each other in, in the bunk. Up After that moment, though, the rest of the movie up to this point has been kind of nonstop. Like Han's getting chased. They're running. Uh, he's thrown into battle. And you, Jason, you know me. I love the kind of more slow romantic pieces in Star Wars. So this is what we get as Han attempts to blackmail Beckett and his crew. So we get some nice, just slow music. Hmm. And um, I'm going to stop it right there real quick because that's this is the next point I want to make. So... And what it's about to give way to is this is right. Han is having this conversation with Rio and Beckett about needing to get back to Corellia. And they're making fun of him, right? Rio's like, nobody goes back to Corellia. I've got a reason. Mm-hmm. Han, you know, Han's response is, I've got a reason. So what right. you're going to hear is when Han says, I've got a reason, you're going to hear a very brief statement of Kira's theme or the Kira and Han love theme. So again, like Han's purpose in this movie up to this point right now is getting back to Corellia and you know, getting the person that he loves out of hell in a, in a sense. So listen right here is it, it goes, it's going to be a quick statement of Han's theme because what is going to make Han heroic is being faithful to the people he cares about. So it's going to go a brief statement of Han's theme into the love theme. See, isn't that just awesome? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's very, very good. So I mean, yeah. I, I, I apologize if you're just like Carl, whatever. But man, like this gets me excited. You know, like, <laughs> they're and they're just very brief little notes of both those themes. But again, like to me, this just shows how schooled in the John Williams art of musical storytelling John Powell is. Because again, he just takes that quick clip of of Hans theme. This is our reminder. Hey, here's our heroic character. Why is he heroic? Because he's loyal to the people he loves. Like, that's why Han's a hero. And, you know, we get that musically from his theme bleeding into the love theme. It's awesome. Yeah. No, it's great. And, um, and we, we all know your, your very, very intimate love for the, the quieter music in Star Wars. So, uh, this, this is no surprise. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And of course, <laughs> most of the battle music that I would want to talk about, we've already talked about in other episodes because it was in the primary soundtrack. So, right. Original soundtrack. So, um, but yeah, no, it's great because, you know, it's, it's the, the leitmotif, you know, stuff that, that John Williams has established as the way Star Wars works. Um, you know, you, you reference a character or, or a, an emotion associated with a character. Uh, and and you telegraph that with the music. The music is giving you the inside view at the feelings and thoughts of the characters on screen. Uh, and obviously, you know, I, I've got I've got a reason. 
yes, he does. It's Kira. And of course, Val is like, it's a girl, you know, it's. <laughs> well, she'll like, get to that later. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. later. She, I think she gives him a look here like, uh, okay, what's, what's this about? But uh, definitely later she, she identifies what it's all about very quickly. Um, yes. So young love, easy to, it, e- easy to sniff out. <laughs> It really is. Uh, <laughs> oh. The young love is not subtle, shall we say? No, um, no it's not. Um, yeah. So, uh, gosh, like, there's. So we we move from here into obviously the 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 feeding pit, if you will, with Chewbacca, and moving into the next track called "The Beast." Um, starting again around the. the I, I'm telling you the time signatures only in case you want to go back and check them out yourself. Um, so mm-hmm. I apologize if that's annoying, but at the 43 second mark, we're going to start here with the beast. And uh, I want to just quickly a little behind the scenes thing. Um, John Powell talked a lot about this was he was very proud of the percussion instrumentation that he used in this. And apparently that's something John Powell is known for with a lot of his um, his his musical scores is he he's a very brilliant percussion writer, I guess. <laughs> I don't know the technical term for yeah. that, but um, and you're going to see that play out a lot in solo. And this to me is kind of the first instance of that, which is with the introduction of Chewie, um, you're going to get these very tribal drum beats um, to, to herald the entrance of Chewbacca. Oh, so cool. Like this, to me, this, this is almost as cool as those, those war drums at the start of Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah, no, it, it's great. Um, and the, the thing is, is not only is he, you know, sort of known for a lot of, of percussion and drum stuff in his movies, but it's complicated stuff. Um, yeah. apparently I believe it's John Williams. Brother. Son? Brother, brother, brother. Yeah. Yes. Is a is a timpanist. Yep. Um, and I want to be he, a timpanist just so I can say I'm yeah. a timpanist. <laughs> yes. Um, and he got to play um, in the soundtrack yep. uh, and was very surprised at how complex a lot of the, the drum stuff was and how busy he was during the, the whole, uh, you know, soundtrack because the, the timpani is, is usually a, a sort of, uh, used for emphasis and uh, in select areas, but he was said he was very busy for a lot of the soundtrack, much more than normal, and in ways that are a lot more uh, complicated and complex than usual. So um, that was that's pretty cool to to listen and hear. Um, yeah, yeah, and and what I appreciate too, again, is I, I feel like the, the 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 way the drums are being used there to me are serve two great purposes. First and foremost, um, just traditionally speaking, uh, it is, they are war drums, right? Like there's about to be a combat (laughs) that's going to go down in this pit. Um, yeah, but also the, to me, there is something very tribal about these types of drums, which to me just instinctually links me to the Wookiee culture, right? Like there, it's a proud warrior culture. Um, so again, I feel like John Powell is giving us the musical language for Chewbacca. He is Chewbacca is a slave right now who has to fight just to eat. So, you know, it, it that music is really an embodiment of his, his situation. Um, but also linked to the fact that he does come from this pride, proud warrior culture. 
Um, so yeah. a little bit further on in this track, um, which we get what I would call some silly Star Wars music. And it's the use of the tuba. Um, you know, the tuba tends to be just kind of a silly sounding instrument. And we haven't the only other piece of Star Wars music that that uses the tuba in a very pronounced way is the theme for Jabba the Hutt. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's just like this. It, it just makes you feel like bloated, <laughs> if you will. Um, but the way, yes. <laughs> the way John Powell uses the tuba here in this particular moment between Han and Chewie is when Han starts to speak in Shrewook, it's a kind of silly moment. And John Powell gives us that musically um, with the way he chooses to score this moment. All right, so the tube is not as pronounced as I thought it was, but it's there. <laughs> so, um, it is. It is. And, you know, just the, the rest of the um, sort of lighthearted uh, comedic sound in that section, too, is is great. You know, it's very clearly, yep, Han stepped in it, um, and he's got to try and talk his way out of this one somehow. So, um Good luck, Han. I'll talk kind of how the music is going. So, <laughs> yes, I do every time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so I forgot, Jason. I am actually going to uh, cheat one more time because I couldn't help mm. myself as I was listening through the the extended score. Which, by the way, I will say, even even hearing some of the the pieces that I've been listening to for a while now and, and have always loved, for whatever reason, that night I kind of just listened to it all in its entirety. There were a couple little points, and this is one of them, where I just something new struck me, and I just I wanted to bring it up, and this is the joy of having a podcast. So yes. it's in the, it's in the next track called Chewy Untamed. On the regular score, it's just called Flying with Chewy, um, but it's it's specifically right before uh, the Chewy theme really comes in. So you have obviously like this this really triumphant statement of Han's theme as Beckett and Rio decide to come back and rescue them, and then. Um, you know, the, the funny little shower scene. And then you have this moment of beautiful use of bells. Um, and to me, and again, this is my my impression. They almost sound like sleigh bells, Jason. And what's really cool is they're flying through snowy mountains. And it almost has this sleigh bell effect, the way he kind of then bridges the music up into Chewbacca's theme. And my, again, my chosen interpretation of this is these sleigh bells, which are a Christmas thing, Christmas is about a gift. Well, this is a moment of a gift. Han and Chewie are a gift to one another. Um, so here's that moment with the with the what I call the sleigh bells. Right. So. Sleigh bells yeah. ring, Chewie's <laughs> listening in the lane. Han is beaming. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh man, uh, no, I I totally see that, and and I love that part in the the track. You know, both on on the deluxe edition and the standard edition of the soundtrack, because it is sort of like a uh, a breather moment as we bridge from the the chaos of of escaping, uh, you know, and and flying out and all that fun stuff, and then. Just the, you know, the triumphant um, 
statement of this new friendship that is beginning to build mm-hmm. uh, between Han and Chewie. With Chewie's theme there, um, I you know I, I don't quite go the Christmas route with you with these bells, <laughs> um, but they they do have. Um, they kind of remind me a little bit of uh, stuff that you would hear in, in like a, um, a monastery, like a, a, mm. a Buddhist monastery, like way up in the Tibetan mountains or something like that, you know, um, and kind of like a, a, a meditative sort of uh, reset, like sort of a calming sensation. Like, all right, we can, we can breathe. We can relax. You're safe now. Um kind of a thing. So that's kind of what those bells sort of remind me of more. And it's, they kind of almost sound like maybe crystal bells or something like that. So it's more of another, you know, a, a crystallizing of, Hey, these two are going to be friends. So, um, I love that's that. sort of my interpretation of this. I love it. So that's so cool. And, and again, that setting equally just to, to my snowy mountains, same thing, right? A, a high Tibetan mm-hmm. mountain with, with a, you know, uh, a Buddhist monastery. I, I love that, Jason. It's this moment of enlightenment. Um, yeah. Uh, love your point just as much, maybe more. So that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is, you know, this is, this is why we podcast together, Carlos, because we have different ideas and different interpretations and it's all fun and complimentary. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. I love that point. Um, so the, the next piece I want to go to, so obviously we have all the, really fun bombastic music of the, the conveyor uh, debacle. Um, obviously it, it pains me to skip over the Enfys nest theme cause it is just so good, but we've talked about it before. Um, but I want to go to the track entitled walking to uh, walk to Dryden's and it opens with um, another statement of Beckett's theme. And it's a very tender statement of Beckett's theme as Beckett is trying to talk Han out of coming with him, right? If you come with me, you're in this life for good. So again, the the first time we hear Beckett's theme, it's this angelic state savior of the day figure. And th- again, this is why I just like I'm so impressed with like what I call real musicians. Because like I play guitar, but I'm not a musician. Like I, I dabble in pop rock. But but um, <laughs> what I love about like folks that really know what they're doing is like you can take the same notes and just play them differently to give a totally different emotion. So. Beckett's first statement of his theme is this like glorious statement. And now this is like a very tender, almost lullaby-esque type statement of his theme as he's trying to look out for this young man um, and and keeping him safe. So here is a very tender version of the theme of Beckett. So I love the harp in that. Isn't it beautiful? It's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, so spoiler alert, this is obviously my favorite version of Beckett's theme because I love me those romantic jams. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, it's you just this. I had no idea. Cole. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, just such a beautiful moment um, mm-hmm. where uh, I think this is the first real indication that 
again, at his core, Beckett is a good guy, you know, kind of like Han is. I mean, he, he's had a much longer and rougher life than Han has up to this point, uh, which is why obviously things shake out the way they do by the end. But I think this moment, especially, and especially the way John Powell chooses to tell the story with the music is this is a good person. He does have a, a good, t- kind and tender heart, um, right? Like Dryden doesn't know who the heck Han and Chewie are. So Beckett is trying to keep them safe. And, and, and I love how musically that's what John is telling us. Referring yeah. to and it's name. also, you know, a, a sort of tender, vulnerable sound because, mm. you know, Beckett's just lost Val. Yeah. Um, that's, that's ultimately going to be part of why he he turns, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, keep straight faced with Han towards the end, if you will. So, um, it's the, the pain of, of losing Val, uh, is not something he gets over. And we're feeling a little bit of that here. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, um, and then a little bit later on in this track, as they walk to Dryden's, of course, we get the first statement of uh, Dryden's. I, I would call it Dryden's motif more than a theme. Yeah. You know, it's kind of similar to Vader's motif in A New Hope, right? Just a few notes. Kylo Ren never really got a full theme. So Kylo Ren has more of a motif than a theme. Um, right. And Dryden Voss does as well. And we hear it for the first time as they see his yacht and they're and they're walking to it. And again, thank you to David W. Collins. We, any of us who've listened to any of his shows are very well versed now in DS Ire, right? The, the song of death. <laughs> um, and yes. just notice when you hear Dryden's theme, that's exactly what it's rooted in is this DS Ire, right? Um, uh, right. Just musically telling us this isn't a good person yeah. <laughs> being around yeah, and him. Is you're going, wait, DS Ire, it's DS Ire, you know, da, 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 da. that's yeah. DS Ire. Yep. So, and, and it's over Rogue One, which we will oh, talk yeah. about next week, I'm sure. So. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, but here it is for for uh, Dryden's motif. So yeah, I mean it's 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 built right into the to the fabric of the of the track itself is DSRA. Yeah, not quite. A full DSRA, but it's uh, it's built right out of a DSRA, and you know allows them to go places with how the the scene plays out. Um, yeah. So, but I love that motif. It's a great motif for Dryden. So yeah, it is. Um, so we're gonna make a quick pit stop, Jason. Because we have a really fun version of a song on the deluxe score from the movie that you and I both love. And I know this is your preferred take on the one and only Chicken in the Pot. Cucumber, 
Oh man. <laughs> I I love the the version that we got on the original soundtrack. I think it's great. I prefer the movie version because uh, not only do I, it's the contrast in voices. Mm. Um, I think really is what I, I latch on to because not only I, I I always like contrast like that in a lot of things, whether it's music or just art or you know d- different things. I like a, a good contrast, and I find that a a really fun contrast, and also in some senses a funny contrast. So um, <laughs> you know it's it's. It's really great and just in terms of sort of a, a nice uh, musical assembly, but it's also amusing. Mm-hmm. So um, I, and that's why I prefer this version. So I'm just so very, very, very happy that we got the film version of this track uh, without having to listen to the movie um, and and try and listen to it underneath the, the dialogue going on. So um, I'm very happy to have this version of chicken in the pot. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if, if like us, you also, you know, are, are adamant lovers of the solo score. I really would recommend checking out, uh, last week on the podcast resistance broadcast, they had John Powell on and interviewed him. And, um, I, I'll, I'll spoil a part of that interview right now. So apologies, but I, I would highly recommend checking out that interview that they did on resistance broadcast. Cause it's a great conversation that they had. Um, but John Powell was, they, they asked him specifically about this track cause they all love it. And asked about the different versions, and uh, so he confessed that the 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 version that we got on the first you know printed soundtrack was what was initially going to be in the movie. They switched it out a week before it went out, and um, I can't remember exactly why. He he explains why. So again, check it out if you want to know more. But they changed it out kind of last minute. But what I also found interesting is he shared that this particular music was inspired in the early days of putting together solo with Lord and Miller, which of course they're, they're a comedic duo, right? That's what they're known for. Obviously they were let, they were let go for Ron Howard, which I don't know what they were doing, but I, I, I honestly think it was probably for the better because Ron Howard just gave such a solid, solid performance. But I think it's really interesting to note though, that this particular piece of music was inspired by the team of Lord and Miller, right? So it kind of just gives you a little bit of a sense of the flavor that solo kind of had with them. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that 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 was going to be the whole type of music for the whole movie. Of course not. But at the same time, kind of this little bit more silliness. Um, So then they asked John Powell on the show, which was his favorite versions because they have their opinions. Jason, you and I disagree on this. I know you prefer the film version. I prefer the score version. And again, that's not to say that I don't like the other one. Um, Exactly. But what was funny is John Powell said, actually, neither. There was a third version that never got released. That is his favorite. And I was like, and they're all like, what? (laughs) We want it. (laughs) Exactly. I will take as many versions of Chicken in the Pot as I can get. Um, (laughs) If there is like a, a just like an EP album release of chicken in the pot in <laughs> seven versions or whatever i will take it i will buy it um yeah that's that's yeah. how much i love the track it's a fun track it really uh, is and i'm just so uh, curious what that third version is um, God, you can't just tease us like that and 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 right give us nothing <laughs> but he did but he did he dared to do it um so yeah i Definitely worth mentioning this track, though, especially this, you know, the film version of the track. And I actually do. And I think it was smart to go that route because when he he wrote this version first, 
apparently because he saw the design of what this this little thing in a pot was going to be and he's like yeah. oh like he just you know he thought it'd be funnier to have like a deep bass voice um yes and uh i do think it works better on screen uh with that version but if it was like oh i'm gonna throw one on to to groove to at home i'm gonna probably do the the, the album version um That's fair enough so but yeah i do so um, I know last year when we did musical may, we did an entire episode based on our, you know, we talked about our favorite source music from star Wars. Right. So the, again, like diegetic, right. The music that the yeah. characters also hear, this is, yeah. I can't remember where I ranked it, but I know it's right at my top. Like it's, it's, it's definitely top three. Yeah. Um, and I, I would argue that it's the sexiest piece of music in star Wars. Like I think it's even sexier than lofty neck. Um, cause lofty neck yeah. is a little bit creepy too. <laughs> so there's nothing creepy about this. And, and, yeah. and it, it's really cool. Cause we actually do see, like, we see some Twi'leks like kind of grinding up by the bar scene. There is Han and Beckett are walking in. So like, there is this really like sexy groove to that song that I, that I think fits this scene and, and this movie so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's def. there's nothing, there's nothing else like it in star Wars yet. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and, and that makes it unique and fantastic. So, yeah. And, and I'm so glad that we now have two of the, at least three versions that are out there, um, to, to, you know, cycle through. So uh, John Powell, you teased us. You better give us that third one eventually. <laughs> For real. Just. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving forward right into the next track called Han and Kira reunite. Uh, I just want to highlight just at the beginning of this track. We're going to hear once again, a statement of the love theme. So up to this point, the only time we've heard the love theme again, is that kind of early statement when they first see each other at the beginning of the movie. And it's this really beautiful, innocent statement. We get that really quick statement of it in the blackmail track, but here we get a very triumphant and it's the first time where it's really prominent in the score and in the movie, their love theme. And it's as they come back together, um, so this is Hanakira Reunite. obviously love any statement of this theme we're going to get in the movie. Um, and this is probably this, this in the first statement of it are my favorite. They're tied for my favorite. Um, funny enough, the, you know, the fullest statement we get of it in the score. And obviously we get on the soundtrack is in Lando's closet. Um, but I prefer this statement in the first one, just because of the joyfulness of it. Every time I'm watching solo and you know, he thinks it's chewy tapping him on the back. Chewy, would you just, he turns around and just that grin that goes from ear to ear and this just beautiful lush statement of their, their love theme coming in because it's like, this is what Han's been working for all the way up till now is he's just trying to find Kira. Um, yeah. uh, and it's just so, I mean, he's so boyish. Like she is much more, she is a far more mature character than he is in all sorts of ways. And this is a, a kind of a, a testament to that in this moment, but just the, the sheer giddiness of, of, of Han in that moment. Like I get it. I get what it's like to, when you reunite with a partner, you know, after you haven't seen each other for a little while, just that, that joyfulness of like getting to embrace them again is so beautiful. And that's what we get. And 
Um, in a lot of ways, I, I do think so much of the music is scored again, to be kind of Han's point of view. Like, I don't think this is necessarily exactly how Kira's feeling. Um, but at the same time, I think it does catch her up too, right? Like when somebody looks at you with that much joyfulness and that joyfulness is because they're looking at you, how can you not feel that in your heart too? And like, that's why I just think the way he chooses to, again, play this, play their theme right here is it's just so beautiful and, and joyful. Yeah. Although the interesting thing I noticed is that it doesn't quite complete. Exactly. It doesn't quite complete. It's beautiful. It's, you know, um, passionate in a way. Um, it's, it's just full of energy and enthusiasm, but it, it doesn't, the statement of the theme doesn't complete. Mm-hmm. It sort of like just draws out because while, while he has found her again, this isn't the happy ending and it's not going to end the way he wants it to. Um, so that's, that's a very interesting thing to note um, about this statement of it, because, you know, yes, they found, they found each other again. They're reunited, but things aren't the same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It never resolves, right? That the, the theme doesn't ever resolve itself. That's a great point. And then it does, as it kind of carries on, like it does, slowly kind of undo itself um, and kind of come back down and it, it almost like it settles into Kira's reality, which is, Hey Han, everything is different now. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think she doesn't care about Han. Of course she cares about Han, but the world is different for them now and they can't be yeah. together anymore f- from her perspective. So that's, a, that's a great observation, Jason, about, uh, you know, it's lack of resolution. Yeah. Um, um it's, it's it's tele- telegraphing the the sad ending with this. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you're not necessarily going to pick it up in the moment. No, of course not. Um, so uh, our next piece of music from this score is also obviously not on the other score, but this is another piece of source music. So after Chicken in a Pot is over and we get this quick, beautiful moment between Han and Kira, we get another piece of source music in the background from the band and it's titled Stormtrooper JP 54 um, And this is just a really cool, almost Caribbean groovy kind of a beat that we hear playing in the background. such a fun piece of music jason it's so yeah it's and again so different for source music in star wars um you know it really does have this kind of fun caribbean 
feel to it. There's a bit of steel drums going on in the background. But I also say it even then gives way, with, especially with the introduction of the horns, there's almost like this psychedelic feel. It's something very like 1960s. Um, and you want to know what it reminds me of, Jason? And this, What does it remind you of, Carl? This may – I don't know if this reference will work for you, but remember the movie Austin Powers – I'm familiar with it. I've never watched it all the way through. Okay, so I, this was a you know immensely popular movie in the late '90s, um, yeah. And it's meant to be kind of a goof on James Bond, but it takes right, yes. it takes place in the '60s, so it kind of has fun with that psychedelic kind of um, early hippies music. So as I was listening to this the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, this reminds me so much of a piece that Quincy Jones did in Austin Powers. Um, so like, you know, this is like the introduction to Austin Powers. <laughs> it just, I was like, oh, I could see this in Dryden's yacht too. I loved Austin Barnes when it came out. I mean, I was in like middle school or early high school. Um, but I did like that JP karaoke track. Just, I was like, Oh my gosh, this feels so much like a, a, a psychedelic sixties piece from Austin powers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, I do like the, the bossa Nova, uh, track from Austin powers. I've heard it, you know, outside of yeah. the movie before, but, um, in terms of the, the stormtrooper JP karaoke track, um, it's, uh, it's a fun piece, but it sounds a lot for those people who have played uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, the online MMO. It sounds a lot like some of the cantina music from that game. Oh, so, cool. uh, yeah, there's a lot of tracks that kind of have that same sort of brassy, groovy vibe um, that it that it has it, with the, the drums and things like that. Um, even the sort of like... Um, synthesized whistling that's in there is used in some of the the tracks uh for the various cantinas in that game as well so it's um it definitely at least for me who is familiar with that the soundtrack and the game uh for star wars the old republic it it does sound a bit like star wars and it does sound familiar to me so for anyone who is familiar with the game or the soundtrack from that game you might uh go back and listen to some of those cantina pieces and go, Oh yeah, that, that could fit totally in the game. So very cool connection. Yeah. yeah that definitely slipped my mind. Cause I don't really know those games. So right. Aw- awesome connection. Um, the, uh, the next piece I want to go to is, uh, from the next track called Dryden's patience is tested. Uh, and it's the moment when Kira, you know, they've hatched this plan. They've come up with what they're going to do to get more coaxium. And, you know, they're going to go to Kessel to steal it. And Beckett turns to Kira and says, do you believe that Han, you know, do you believe what this guy says? Do you believe, do you believe in Han? And she says, yes, I believe he can. And we get this beautiful statement of Han's theme. Again, to me, this is kind of Han's POV again. When Kira says to her boss, yeah, Han can do this. I believe in him. You know, when the person you are in love with says, you know, he can do this. 
cue the Rudolph movie from the 1960s. She thinks I'm cute. And then he takes off and flies. <laughs> this is, this is yes, that, exactly. this is Kira telling Han he's cute. And this is how John Powell chooses to play his theme in this moment. I love how it ends there with like kind of this reaching up note, right? Like again, he feels yeah. like he's on top of the world and he could grab the stars themselves. Like I, I just, I love that. And this is how Han feels when Kira says she believes in him. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I mean, let's be honest guys out there. A girl that you like gives you a compliment or, or, says that yeah you're capable of something or they're proud of you for something your heart just like wants to burst out of its chest anyway so this is this is nothing unfamiliar to any of us uh who has had that kind of situation before so uh this is you know our heart would be singing that song if you know the woman in our life said something similar about us so that this is this is totally a normal <laughs> a normal guy feeling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a very normal human feeling. Doesn't doesn't yeah, yeah, girls? True. You can feel that too, whether it's a guy or a girl loving on you, right? Like it's it's that human I mean, experience of being loved by the person you really like. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just a, I'm a guy, so I speak from my perspective. So mm. that's all mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But it's just that very human. Yeah, I, I love it. Um. So, Jason, I want to take us into the Sabak card room, if you don't mind. And this was a piece of music that I've I've always loved this in the movie itself. And I, I was just so freaking happy we got it, obviously, now on the, the, the deluxe score. And it's when Han, we get that really infamous shot of Han stepping into the center of the shot, you know, in the before he walks down to the card table. And, you know, you got that mounted whatever animal it is <laughs> hanging above. You know, you get this really cool musical cue is uh han is about to go meet lando for the first time and attempt to win the falcon um and you get this really awesome guitar riff so the only time we really get um electric guitar in star wars before this is in the 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 coruscant chase and attack of the clones but this is a really cool almost grungy guitar riff that's being played very, very subtly in the background. And um, because I actually play guitar, I can actually tell you what this is. It, it's, it's, they're essentially just using what's called palm muting, which is where you kind of lay your palm on the, the, the base of the strings to give you this kind of cool effect. And the band that was most popular for doing this was Nirvana. Nirvana did a lot of palm muting. They're obviously not the only band, but they kind of engineered this sound through grunge rock. And I just feel like this is a very grungy scene, right? It's a very grungy place. So it's so cool that John Powell, again, like wrote this really grungy guitar riff in kind of the vein of Nirvana or something. So this is from Card Room. Oops, I forgot to turn it up. I don't, can you hear could you hear that okay excuse me yes yes yeah. i could yeah so uh, you have this really cool like i don't know what the other instrument is on top of it because the guitar is almost running like the bass line um 
you have this really cool, like, I don't know, it, it almost sounds like, um, Middle Eastern even, um, it, it gives me kind of this feel of like, we're in a marketplace. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, something, something like a sitar or something yeah, like that, you yeah. know, something very, uh, not, um, not necessarily tribal, but something much more, uh, cultural sounding, yes, yes. Uh, if you will. So, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I definitely, definitely, you know, something from Middle East or, or Western Asia kind of a sound. Um, definitely. Um, I, I like it because it also kind of, you know, this is just the Star Wars streams, you know, colliding with each other. It sounds like it could be out of the Mandalorian somewhere. Absolutely. So. That's a great point, Jason. It totally could be in the Mandalorian. That's, yeah, def- very similar to the guitar work Ludwig does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, and of course, those two soundtracks develop very much separately from each other, but that sound works in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's nice to see that those, those sort of strains exist in multiple places. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really cool grungy little moment. Um, <laughs> so the next track I want to take us to is called family stories. And this is, again, another one of those moments that I love in the movie because it's a beautiful, what I would call vulnerable moment. And it's that moment when, you know, Han slightly opens up to Lando about his father. Lando, you know, says likewise about his own father. They're not close, but his, his mother's something great. So it's this this very brief moment of vulnerability between these two very proud men, right? Um, but there's Han is so mesmerized about being on the cockpit of this ship that he can't help, but just talk about what he's thinking and feeling in that moment. And it, that, that kind of vulnerability elicits a sense of vulnerability in Lando too. And, and I love that. And um, yeah, so let's take a peek at this music. See those that is that a harp in the background, Jason? The plucking yeah. sound? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was a harp. So again, like to me, this is just something sort of lullaby-esque, if you will. Right? Um, something very just vulnerable, sweet, beautiful in this little moment. And this is this music is the reason I've come to call that scene my I call it my treehouse moment. <laughs> um I love the way it's shot, you know, kind of coming in with Han into the cockpit. And this is when the music starts. Um, you know, I, I loved playing in my cousin's treehouse when I was a kid and climbing up that ladder and you entered into that treehouse. And it was like you entered this new world, this imaginative world where anything was possible. And I feel like that's what's happening for Han as he walks into that cockpit for the first time. And I like that the music kind of elicits that because it is it's it's Han's theme that's being played. But you've got these very tender harp plucks underneath it, you know, uh, kind of recognizing the beauty of this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a tender little moment. Um, a, a reminiscing moment because they're both thinking about things that have happened long ago, mm. uh, for them. And it's, it's just, you know, a point of connection. Um, they're still not fully trusting of each other yet, but there's enough that they are similar enough people in there and they're understanding that, that they'll be able to work together. 
you know, so. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so making our way to Kessel, uh, I'm going to take us to the track Oksana Florin. And it's yada, the, yada, yada. Yep. <laughs> Such a fun title. Um, and so this is, this is the other time when very clearly stated is an electric guitar use. So again, like the type of electric guitar used in attack of the clones in a sense. Um, right. so this is a really cool use of electric guitar in the score. Um, and this is at the minute 18 mark in, in the piece. I love that guitar riff. Do, 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 do. It's it's it makes me think and feel two things. First thing it makes me feel is kind of sounds like a video game. In all honesty, like it has a little bit of a video game, uh, old Super Nintendo type video game, but also it's descending notes. It's just the same riff. Do 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 um, do 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 do. I mean, kind of like that moment as you go down into Bowser's castle, if you will, and you know Mario. Um, <laughs> But it's it, it's so cool that the, the guitar riff is taking us down further, deeper into the the spice mines of Kessel, if you will, right? So the guitar is walking us down there with Han and Chewie as they're being yeah. taken deeper and deeper. It's just such a really cool use of the guitar. I really, really dig that moment. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And actually, could you um, go back to that track real quick? Yeah, and hit us about the the two minute mark or so, two minute maybe two minute five. Um, there's another portion of this track that really kind of stuck out to me. Is it this? Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, just ramping up the tension. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I know the the strings there are kind of hinting at somebody's theme, and I can't place it's it. Dryden's, uh, Dryden's here. It is right here. Yeah, well, that's what she gives with the dice. Sorry. It's the Dryden theme. Yeah. So, um, but I, I love that because, you know, this is them landing on, on Kessel and getting ready to try and infiltrate the mines and all that stuff. Um, Dryden's not there, but mm-hmm. it's his, his, mission his plan that they need, his mission that they need to, to fulfill. And it's just sort of ratcheting up the tension as things, you know, they, they get deeper and deeper into the mine. So I, yeah. I, I just love that section of this track. So. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I didn't didn't really notice it. Um, so yeah, oh, gosh, there's just so much good stuff in there, Jason. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So I want to take us just moving for obviously we're skipping over all sorts of really great music and, and all the action cues in Kessel. Uh, but again, we, ha- yeah. we ha- luckily we do have all of that. We've had all of that for a while, which is great. Um, yes. But I'm going to take us to the track uh, Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. And we have a big chunk of this music already, but we don't have all of it. And this is a particular part of the, the music. 
and maybe maybe we do jason honestly this is the one track that i do often these are the two tracks i actually do sometimes skip when i'm listening to the score because um as you know jason like the action stuff is not always my favorite um right so this could actually be in there and maybe i just missed it but there's a really cool use of beckett's theme in this um this particular track and this is at the seven and a half minute mark um and it's it's when beckett is running you know to to take some of the coaxium to inject into the hyperdrive um and you're going to get a really cool like military style of beckett's theme excuse me being played because again he's he's on a mission if you will so it's it's a really cool version of his theme that we're going to hear right it's it's he's kind of on his military march if you will yes and and this is uh in the original soundtrack as well okay. um but it is a great moment and it's a nice you know it's a nice sort of uh, transitional section because yes, it is his uh, his theme, um, but it everything's just been high energy and, and crazy, and then it's about to ramp up again um, as they they need to get this coaxium inserted into the Falcon so they can actually escape uh, the 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 black hole um, that they're getting pulled towards. Um, but it is sort of like a nice little bridge uh, that that's not quite as frantic as everything else. Um, with a, a bit of a sense of purpose to it. So um, I do like this, uh, this version of Beckett's theme a lot. So, mm, yeah. And it yeah. sort of harkens back to the first time we saw him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Dis- disguised as a, as a, you know, Imperial officer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so now I want to skip us ahead to the, the track emphasis standoff. Um, this is at the two and a half minute mark. And this is where, Enfys is kind of describing why she is the leader of the Cloud Riders, right? And and explaining exactly who the syndicates are and who they really work for, which is the Empire. Um, and we're going to get a really cool use of these Mongolian throat singers. Um, I don't uh, I don't know that they're actually Mongolians, uh, folks that are on the, the recording, but this is where it's traditionally known for is is, is Mongolian throat singing is is very popular. Um, and uh, I just think it's a really cool use of this music because it makes me think of two moments from other parts of Star Wars. One is when Sidious is telling the story of Plagueis to Anakin, mm-hmm. as well as it's got like that feel of Snoke's theme from, you know, the sequel trilogy. So here is Enfys describing the syndicates. <laughs> Right. So um, you get, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it. I don't know about you, Jason, but that definitely to me has some strong like Sithy vibes to it. Right. Like, oh, as, yeah. As Envis is explaining what they're really fighting, they're fighting evil itself. Right. So the syndicates are in league with the forces of evil. So it's just yeah. a really cool piece of, uh, of music to to illustrate that because we know yeah. this. We know the style of music already from Star Wars and we know who it's attached to. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it is the descriptor of evil uh, with this sort of sound, uh, but 
we don't know exactly how close to evil the syndicates really are until later on in the movie. You know, they're a lot closer to the the big evil that we've heard this before with, you know, because if you're just listening chronologically to these, we've heard this sound, you know, like you said, with the Plagueis story. Um, and you were a lot closer to that in terms of who the syndicate is uh, and and who's leading them than we even know at this point. So, yeah. For sure. Um, So as we kind of get towards the end of the score here, and uh, we're going to go into the track, Kira knows a bit more uh, about the minute and a half mark. And this is that moment when Han and Kira are taking, you know, the elevator up to Dryden's office. And again, it's, it's something we sort of heard earlier, even in that blackmail track where you get the Han and Kira love theme kind of melded into Han's theme. And that's, what's going to happen here is, is they're kind of talking about, you know, this is going to work. Um, and Kira is trying to give him a fuller picture of the, this isn't a game Han. Like this is about survival. Um, right. She, they're, they're, they're both going into this moment dip, thinking differently, but musically John Paul is telling us that they are linked together in this moment. And uh, the music is going to kind of come out into this sort of negative um, almost. Uh, it sounds like everything's kind of then goes into like these minor chords because they're linked together, but it's not going to go the way Han thinks. Um, So here is this piece of music. See how it's going to end? Not well. Mm-hmm. So Not well. it's the ha- it's Hans theme bleeding into the love theme, which then gives way to the this the statement of Dryden's motif, which is Diasire, right? So this thing that Han thinks is you know we're going to win, you're about to lose. <laughs> you know you're about to lose what matters most to you, unfortunately. And Kira's about to lose too, right? I mean I don't think she wants to lose Han, um, but it's what's for the best. Um, so. Yeah, I just, again, like, I love, this is just a very brief moment, again, with just very clear musical storytelling by linking all those themes together. Um, you know, this this plan that Han has in his mind isn't going to go quite right. No. No, it's not. Um, it's, he, this is what he's hoping for. This is what he wants. This is what he's sort of projecting on everything. And the music is is trying to give us that point of view and it's trying to to confirm this but it just can't so um it's you know the writing is starting to to be on the wall and han is either oblivious or trying to ignore it yeah so <laughs> i think he's oblivious to be completely honest <laughs> so yeah. uh he is very like like you know we've said he's very young at heart and very young in love. Um, so I don't think he, he doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. Um, but I do like, I love how in just, I mean, less than a minute's time of music, it starts off with like very hopeful aspirational version of Hans theme and ends with the 
Dryden statement. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that speaking of Dryden, I want to go to the track Dryden's long, long fight. Um, yes. And I love another to me, just very fun title, long, long fight. And this is at the minute and 10 minute, 10 mark. And again, we're going to get some very powerful use of drums. And these are the drums that kick in right as Beckett closes the door and Han lunges for his blaster and Dryden takes off for his daggers. Um, you get these drums beating us into combat, if you will. <laughs> pretty clear yeah. statement that that's what's that's what's happening here is you know we are going to war yeah and it's you know it's it's war it's also you know the the intense beating of uh han's heart as things are going from bad to worse uh you know it, it's uh and and everything is just sort of zooming in on the conflict happening in this room at the moment. So it's really cool. Um, I, I'm always a fan of, of some good drums when it comes to combats. Uh, and John Powell just shows off uh, right here. Like just, uh, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. He's showing off um, his, <laughs> his drum skills, his, his drum composition skills right now um, right here. So it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and, and it's, it's great. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that we got it because we got some of the conflict in this scene, uh, the music for the conflict in the scene uh, in the original soundtrack, but not this portion of it. Um, so I'm very glad that we now have the full conflict, which I think is funny that he named it Dryden's Long, Long Fight because it's really <laughs> not a very long scene. Right. Um, but we now have the the rest of the music for the scene. So, yeah. Yeah, which I'm obviously thrilled to have. Um, and then we go into the mall scene. And the mall scene is not in the other score, right? And, and part of me wonders if they kept it out intentionally too because they don't want to hint at the fact that he was going to be in there, right? That's kind of one of the big reveals in the movie. Um, exactly. And the soundtrack came out before the movie did. So like the week before the movie, nope. did, right? Came out the same day. That's they oh, have no, not, that's right. That was the one time that they did that. Um, no, actually, none of the no, uh, the entire Disney era, the the scores never come out till the day of the movie. They don't do early releases. They haven't done that since the prequels. Um, right. I'm still I'm still in that mindset though. Like the 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 soundtracks all come out, but but so many people get the soundtrack as soon as it comes out on the yeah, digital version for sure. before they get to to the movie theater. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, that would make sense that they kept it off there because of uh, the big reveal that this is. Yep. But we have it now. Yes, we do. And it's called Maul's Call. <laughs> um, and right from the beginning, you're going to hear Duel of the Fates played several times throughout this call. And it, it, it keeps – it's funny because it starts kind of subdued. Um, and then it becomes more and more prominent. And, and especially as Maul himself is revealed, right? He takes the hood off. I mean, it's very clear who he is. Um, but mm -hmm. it's really cool the way they kind of slowly build out Duel of the Fates to really make it clear who's 
who Kira is talking to. Yeah. Voices are doing Duel of the Fates. So it's funny because I've heard people say like, oh, it's so cool because that, you know, that full statement that you get right there at the end on all the instrumentation, people are like, oh, it's cool how they finally play. No, it's it's the whole time. Maul, as soon as she yeah. picks up that call, the voices are already doing right. Like they're humming the melody of Duel of the Fates the whole time. And again, it's just to me, it, John Powell is so smart with the way he chooses to, to use it and to craft it in like. It's as he's being revealed, we're going to give you more of it, more of it, more of it. And then as, of course, he catches the lightsaber and ignites it. That's when it, boom, there you go. This is Duel of the Fates. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's really great. And I, I don't have much else to say about it because it's just cool. It's just freaking cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I, I I love it. And, you know, because it's funny, obviously, Maul doesn't have, he gets, I guess he does technically get a theme from Kevin Kiner in Rebels. Um, but he never really gets a theme, so it makes sense to use Duel of the Fates, though, right? Because that's that's the movie. For even casual folks, they're gonna they're gonna probably recognize that from Phantom Menace. Yeah, I mean, and that that track was everywhere during the promotional blitz for the Phantom Menace. Like you couldn't escape Duel of the Fates. Um, yeah, even if you hadn't seen the movie. Yeah. So for real. Um. So. Two more little points I want to pull out in this track. So, because this track is called Maul's Call slash Parting Ways. Um, I want, I'm going to play for us the final statement of Beckett's theme in the movie, which is As He Dies. And it's a very mournful statement of Beckett's theme. It's very slow and drawn out as he, you know, succumbs to being shot in the chest by Han. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, to me, it's, it's almost an, like, it's a very uncomfortable statement of his theme. And that's, I think that's kind of the point. So here it is. to leave in there at the end again the statement of dryden's theme even though dryden is now dead Mm -hmm. this is the effect of that life though right getting involved with folks like dryden voss getting involved with the syndicates 
is going to often result in your death, right? Your demise. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just like this really beautiful, but sad and mournful statement of Beckett's theme as he dies. Um, Mm -hmm. and yet, like, I think it's very interesting to point out. Everybody likes talking this movie about there's that moment between Han and Lando where he says, I hate you. I know. Right. Like the, the Han saying the, I know, but I think the far more important I know from Han in this movement for, in this movie is in this moment with Beckett. When Beckett's last words are all I wanted to do was learn how to play that valacord. I know Han knows that Beckett was a noble man. I mean, again, why does he gun him down? I mean, this is Western justice, right? Like Beckett even says, it's a good thing you did it. Cause I'd had to kill you. Um, right. So, but even in that moment of death, Han recognizes there is a nobility to Beckett, right? He understands he was trying to do something good for himself. So it's like Han knows. So to me, that's the, that's the much more powerful I know in this movie than the silly exchange between him and Lando. That to me is almost there for comedic effect, but this one has weight to it. This is Han recognizing almost again, like just like the first statement of Beckett's theme is kind of Han's point of view. It's this glorious moment. Once again, from Han's view, this is a mournful moment. He's mourning the loss of Beckett. He really cared about him and, and did recognize that there was some nobility to this man who just got caught up in a hellish world. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great statement, but I I do love that you included the Dryden Voss statement of, Mm. of that theme in there because uh, not only is it, you know, the effect of, of that kind of life, but it also is is an echo of what Beckett told Han from the beginning. Once you're in, you're in, and yeah. there's no getting out, and this kind of thing is going to follow you. So, um, and and it takes, you know, essentially... Luke and Leia and the Rebel Alliance to pull Han out of this, this life for a while. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't leave. It's always going to be there now, you know, for the foreseeable future for Han, this life. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, so, and then one last part from this, this track I want to look at is, is, um, at the four and a half minute mark. And it's again, a, you're going to get a brief statement of Chewie's theme. And it's essentially this moment when Han and Chewie decide to leave together, right? Like Enfys gives them the little piece of coaxium. They're going to leave, do this together. And, and I kind of, I, I bring this up mainly to just kind of bookend that first statement of Chewie's theme early in the movie that again, John Powell pointed out, which is as Han is fleeing Corellia, mm-hmm. you get that brief statement of Chewie's theme because that's what freedom is going to mean for Han. So here kind of bookending that in the score itself towards the end of the movie, as they choose to leave Enfys, they don't, you know, they're not going to join up, but they're going to leave together. And that's going to be um, a little taste of freedom for the, for the two of these characters. So again, you know, it's just, it's just a very quick statement of it, but it's, you know, don't hold your breath, kid. You know, it, it, for Han right now in his, in his journey, he wants to be free. And that means leaving with Chewie. And this is something, again, I only noticed this when I was listening the other night, putting, putting this all together. 
Um, it starts right at four minutes and 41 seconds. This to me, Jason, and tell me if you hear it, sounds like the first couple notes of the force theme. It obviously does not resolve itself in any way, but this sounds like the first few notes of the force theme. Let me play this one more time real quick. Right here. I guess that's not the force theme, but that's the rebel theme. Um, yeah. Oops, sorry. Uh, so... And I just, again, like it's not, it's not fully in there. Um, and we do get the rebel theme twice in the movie before, right? When Han first sees yeah. the, uh, the Falcon. And then again, when Kira gives him his dice back, but I just think it's really cool right here again, that Han and Chewie leaving together, even though they said no f- right now for joining the rebellion, they'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> just a little, it's a little hint of that. Just hanging at the end of this musically. So, uh, and it does kind of just hang and as it continues on. So it doesn't resolve in any way yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's for another movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Their story yeah. is just beginning. Exactly. We got, we got one last piece, one last piece. And this was something Jason, like I, I'm so, I just never noticed that this was another piece of source music in the movie. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's the track is Lando's Jungle Room, which love that title. Um, and this is a very reggaeton, reggaeton um, type of music to me um, as Han and Lando meet up again to play one more round of Sabacc. Uh So again, this is source music. So again, we can presume that there's some sort of band playing this in the background of this little uh, cave they're playing in. I feel like this could be a song that I could totally hear, you know, Donald Glover and his uh, Childish Gambino persona kind of getting down to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I I don't listen to Childish Gambino that much, but I know this doesn't really sound like his music, but it just, you know, it does have a very reggae feel to it, which I just, I feel like Childish Gambino could get down to this. (laughs) So, and this was again, another piece of source music that just totally slipped my mind that it's that it's actually in the um, uh, in in solo that we have uh, yet another piece of source music. Yeah, and it's really not featured very much uh, because the the score uh, in the scene itself, um, the score sort of takes over from the the source music uh, pretty quickly in the scene because Han and Chewie, you know, walk up and you know throw down the challenge very quickly, and then it goes into the the score. Uh, section of this this scene um so this piece isn't like you know really highly featured in the right. movie itself but it's it's fun and it's nice to have a lot of these uh these diegetic these source music pieces in the movie or in, in this uh deluxe version of the soundtrack um because i i always find that stuff fun uh and amusing um sometimes so yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think we get the full 
use of this track in the movie itself. Um, because again, it's very subdued in the background there. So it's, it's again, cool to just have it in an isolated way, um, to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, so there you go. That's kind of an extensive look. It's Walk certainly not through. exhaustive, but a certainly an extensive look through specifically the pieces that, you know, we've, we've, we weren't, we didn't have access to it before the deluxe version came out. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Jason, I had so much fun putting the, putting this all together last week. I just yeah. thrown on the headphones that night and just like, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I, I didn't expect to get this into it, but I couldn't help it. I was just like, Oh, and now there's this, Oh, and now there's this, um, just again, kudos to John Powell for writing an incredible star Wars score. It's really terrific. Um, you know, I don't, I'd have to go back and, and sort of redo my list again for which soundtracks are my favorites, but um, this is definitely a, a highlight score for me. I, I, I thoroughly love the, the solo score and it's just, it's delightful and wonderful that we finally get the full extent of it or as full of an extent that we are likely to get uh, now for this film. So uh just one more reason we need to hashtag make solo two happen. Um, so yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, John Powell, anytime you want to come back and do star Wars scores, you have my vote. Um, <laughs> not that it means anything, uh, but you know, to the, the powers that be, but I would love John Powell to do another star Wars score. Yeah. Well, they, and Michael Dick, you know, yeah, so. they, they asked him when he was on, on, like I said, when he was on that interview with resistance broadcast last week, they asked him at the end, like, you know, would you come back? And he said, Oh, without question, I'd be, I, I, and he, he himself has used the hashtag make solo happen, make solo to happen himself several times. Cause he would love to see more of the story explored. And he even talked a little bit about some of the things he would like to see specifically explored. So again, I'd leave that as a tease to, to check out that interview. Cause it's really, really well done. Um, awesome. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up this conversation. So next week, we'll be back with more Star Wars music, and we're going to continue talking about the anthology movies. So next week, we're going to talk about the Rogue One score. Um, a little bit of a different way than what we did tonight, um, but we're gonna, we've got a couple of great special guests that are going to join us to have a, a conversation all about Rogue One's music next week. So looking forward to that. Oh, very much so. I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, but to sort of bridge our way between this episode and next episode we've got a fun matchup for you um here so carl uh, who who exactly are we we pitting against each other in this matchup well we are going to take none other than beckett against bays it's the battle of the bees (laughs) beckett versus (laughs) bays Beckett versus Bayes. I'm excited. I don't know who I'm going to pick in this one. Uh, it, it could go either way, in my opinion. But I'm very excited about about this matchup, um, and I'm glad that we're able to sort of bridge the gap between the two episodes. It's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to talk about the Rogue One score, yeah. but I'm also very curious to see what people think about this matchup. Me too. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. That being said. Um, Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup or any of the the stuff that we talked about in this episode, uh, where can people contact us? Uh, we are, of course, on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore Wampas Lair, uh, on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast, and you can always email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. 
Uh, anything else you've got before we close down this musical May kickoff episode? I am all good. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 423 deluxe solo score for Carl. I'm Jason. May the fourth be with you and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>